Welcome to Recovery Connections Podcast, the show that provides information about helping you in substance abuse treatment. For more information, please visit drughelp.info. Now, here are your hosts, Recovery Connection CEO Michael Breyer and Chief Clinical Director Greg Grouston. Welcome to Recovery Connection Podcast, where we cover substance abuse treatment. Today, we are in episode number nine, number nine, number nine, supposedly a Beatles joke. Anyways, (laughs) number nine, there we go. (laughs) Anyways, today's episode, we're going to cover free stuff. Free stuff, free, 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 free. free. Anyways, I'm Michael Breyer. I'm CEO of Recovery Connection. I'm with my partner, Greg Raustein, who's chief clinical director over at Recovery Connection. And we're going to talk about one of the fun subjects, which is free stuff for you. So free stuff for substance abuse doesn't really seem like it goes together, but believe it or not, people do want to help. And... I think the most important free thing that's out there that all of you should be aware of if you're eligible for it is free health insurance. Our current political officer might poo-poo on Obama, but the one great thing of Obama, as far as I'm concerned for business purposes, was free health care. So there's no question about that. So a lot of people say to themselves, okay, how do I get free health care? And believe it or not, right now we're recording this on December 23rd, and I think the eligibility for next year might have just passed last week, or it's, I think in each state it actually changes. I think each state dictates when it's, but you need to contact your Department of Health in your state to ask them how to sell, sign up. Usually it's a website that's usually called Health Source. All states have them. They all work a little bit differently, but the point of the matter is this. You make no money, you get free insurance. You make some money, you get insurance, but you might have to pay for some of it. You make lots of money, you might not get any health insurance, but you're probably either able to, one, afford, two, be able to get it through work, or three, you'll be a heck of a lot richer when you stop using illicit drugs that you're procuring every day on the street. So you should be able to deal with that. Now, the process is a pain in the butt to get health insurance. There's no question about it. There's paperwork that you have to submit, And we're dealing with government bureaucracy. And of course, government bureaucracy does not move quickly. It moves slow. However, for the most part, most people, other than maybe sitting on the phone for three hours until they actually answer your phone call and you do an interview process with somebody and then they validate you, it's not I won't say it's easy, but I won't say it's the worst thing that's in in, in the world here. And what's the good thing about it is once you, you got it. So other than them calling you once a year to double check to see whether you still meet the eligibility requirements, it's not one of those things that's going to all of a sudden magically disappear on you in the middle. Okay. If they have a menu of if there's different insurance to pick from, do you uh, need to make sure that 
if you are on current other medications, that you should inquire if that certain plan covers that medication before agreeing to that type of plan? Most of them will give you, so they'll, most of them will give you vanilla. So they'll give you the basics of what most people need. So they'll give you some behavioral health, which mm -hmm. is where substance abuse treatment falls for almost every insurance company. It's under sub behavioral health counseling services. So they will cover all those medications. As far as if you're on drugs, let's say for some other type of ailment that you might have, let's say you have a cardiac issue and you need to take some type of heart medication, then obviously you want to check on that, especially in the cases where you might be dealing with drugs that are on the expensive side. Sure. So I personally take a drug that's one of those specialty Drugs that I literally every month have to call up and beg my insurance company for because I think the bill on it is 36000 or 40 something It's one of those numbers, and they have to reduce the price down to 15000 before I can get approved. So they literally, I don't know how a drug all of a sudden goes from something like 40000 to 15000 and then they magically, they're willing to pay that, but they're not willing to pay the... Uh, don't ask me. These are insurance companies. They are not the most logical people in the whole goddamn world, but unfortunately they are a necessity of life when we are looking for treatment. When oh, it, in favor is the parity clause, the parity law that was passed that health insurances must treat opiate dependency. Addiction is now required instead of just medical and then it used to be a history of art and you guys are on the outskirts now with the parity law that was passed that actually is a right law. so that forces the, them for treatment so obamacare did force or the aca as they also call it it did force insurance companies all insurance companies whether they be commercial or whether they be governmental insurance companies to all cover addiction treatment so you shouldn't really have to worry about that avenue of that. If that's the reason you're listening to the podcast, you're going to be good. However, if you have other types of ailments, that's where you really want to investigate a little bit more, whether the insurance company is actually going to help you out on that avenue. Right. So let me just talk one second also about something else, which is Medicare. So interestingly enough, Quite a few people who have had substance abuse problems usually have a history of substance abuse problems. And for Medicare purposes, you could be classified as disabled for Social Security purposes and be able to receive not only disability insurance payments every month from Medicare, if you qualify, but also Medicare coverage. Now, Medicare gets a lot of poo-poo from a lot of people out there, and I never understand why, because quite honestly, if I had a choice of insurance companies and I could choose my Blue Cross policy for which I pay an ungodly sum of money every month or a Medicare policy, I'd take Medicare in a heartbeat. It wouldn't even be a close second. So Medicare is well worth it if you do qualify for it. And quite a few of the people that we see in our offices are on disability through the Social Security Administration. And therefore, they do get unlimited treatment for substance abuse. And they also get a check because a lot of them are, have become so addicted that they're unable to work, quite honestly. 
So I, I don't know if that's the upside or the downside of it. I think you could look at it both ways of, unfortunately, being disabled. It's but, a supportive side, at least. But yeah. it is supportive, and if nothing else, uh, disability does not necessarily mean that you're a lifetime of disability, by the way. So you should just always remember that you might have an issue right now and that you need that support from the government, but that's not to say that they will continue to do that till the end, till you turn 65 and you're actually able to qualify for dis Social Security regularly as a retired person. They will keep asking you if you're still disabled and they might ask you for proof that you're still, you know, unable to work at this current time that you actually deserve to receive the monthly payments and the, the what's, basically free medical care from Medicare. I don't want to really go into the nuts and bolts of medical insurance because quite honestly, I'd probably not be feeling too well after eating my lunch because <laughs> it, it's kind of like nuances. it's kind of like watching how sausage is made. It tastes really good, but <laughs> you don't really want to understand it. It's want to see all the everything that's involved. <laughs> Just give me the good stuff. I don't want to have any of the bad stuff. So the free one that you all need to be searching out is obviously the health insurance. And even if you lose your job in the middle of the year, there are some of the states will be supportive of you. Even if the health source is not open at that time, that you can still get in and get qualified for health insurance. So don't assume that you can't get health insurance at any time of the year. Okay. Each state will be different, but you're never going to know until you call each state, and we're not going to sit here and give you a report on all 50 states, okay? So another important resource that people should know about is places that will help you both for employment and for housing assistance, Right? Are there not places out there that will help you for that? Well, one of the one of the models that started a number of years ago that has generated itself to other states is called was Anchor in Rhode Island, and Jim Gillen had started this community clubhouse model of people in recovery to support people in recovery. That they had housing for meetings for AA and NA meeting, but they were housing there. But it doesn't mean that they were active. They let them have space. It was more of a clubhouse model of people helping others. And it took that idea of when you hear about sponsorships in, in AA where you have someone as a big brother or big sister helping you along the way, they took this model even further to provide this community. And that's what it is, a community of people meeting to help each other. And then they establish people that have a longer care, longer-term recovery to get they got grants and state funding and government funding to have computer base. So when you come in and needed help to go find a job, they had someone come over and help you out do that. They had the resource pile of what other community actions you can get free food from, free housing. Where's the facility if you've become homeless? Where in the nuances of how to be there in time for the getting a bed? Those kinds of supports. They actually progressed on for a number of years to where he was able to get 
care coach, what they're called care coaches, certified with 40 hours of training. So now a person in recovery that's helping the people in recovery now have a license to be able to do this where if there was an issue in the hospital where someone was in, it just got Narcan and got there, that the care coach would actually show up at the hospital and help that person to say, tomorrow we can bring you and help you find a place of recovery. The care coach would act as that big brother and sister. But they also have the whole support of the the state of where they can send people. In Brockton, uh, Massachusetts, they have Stairway to Recovery is an off-branch of this anchor. The Rhode Island being that progressive one that created this model had other states come in and trying to do the same thing of people creating this community. So am I going to find that in many states, in other words? We know of active of at least five uh, states that are doing this, and the more that we can get, and the government is sponsoring them, they usually have to get a grant through a close mental health system to get the money pipelined in a, in a financial way. It's not part of that mental health center. The health center is just that connection for the money, but they are able to help with grant money. And these services, it can come down from they have free yoga meetings. They have calendars of events, of trainings, and support of services that are able to do. But more importantly, other than just being a safe zone to be able to visit on a daily basis, it's a community of people that are trying to help where your needs are to regain access to the community and they're willing and they're ex- expert, experts in knowing where to call from the group homes, housing, even to where to go to detox, where to go into recovery facilities like ours or, or others, as well as from, as I said, meal sites to more importantly, as well as getting a job. And I don't know, uh, regarding insurances, I don't know how, uh, personally, I don't know how active they are would be able to assist you in that, but I presume no, I would they would them. be very active in trying to assist you in that as well. Yeah, I mean, most of the most of the people at the state level, while they're overworked and underpaid, I, I think most of them are pretty supportive when it comes to fu- getting this kind of help because uh, most of them are, they're not, they're not high level people paid people with white collars and things like that. I mean, you're talking more to blue collar types of people who might have a diversified background anyways, who understand that people have their times that they're down and that they really need assistance. I I, I think generally most of them are pretty nice unless you catch them on the wrong day and they hang up the phone on you or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about what about an NA or uh, AA, because uh, it sounded to me like you were talking about sponsorship almost, because that's kind of like the same model as I know AA works. I don't know about NA if they work on the same sponsorship model as you were talking about with Anchor. Right. So in regular AA or an NA, the history back in the, I think it was started in the late 30s or 40s, was that you actually, someone in recovery as a big brother or sister who's had over a year or two in recovery would mentor someone else in the program from the early days of how to work a 12-step program or, or, or programs of someone that they could call to pick up the phone to, instead of picking up a bottle or picking up a drug, is to call that person and they were kind to not counsel them, but mentor them into and to get them over that pine of time as someone's offering that time to help you out. So that's, uh, that's still always in place. Okay. NA, I think we've talked about sometimes they're not proactive when it comes to people who are in recovery, who might be on methadone or on Suboxone. They uh, have a tendency in some of the chapters to 
not be receptive to that idea, I would just kind of recommend to you, uh, and there's nothing wrong with this, is don't tell, don't have an issue with them because there's almost like no reason that they need to know. And if they don't need to know, then they're not going to bother you about it. But if they do know, there is a chance that they might not allow you to come into chapter meetings, even though the chapter meetings are open and free because each chapter kind of runs itself as its own little fiefdom there. So there's meetings all day long. There's morning meetings, a, uh, eight o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock and evening meetings, fitting the personality and the people are going there for you and, and the territory or the uh, area that you live in. You might not feel comfortable. You can go find one and find the one that fits you with the demographics of age. So you're not sitting around uh, very old people or just a younger population like yourself and matching that up again, just like treatment being to be, to be feel comfortable of why you're there. And then, more you get involved, you'll more and more realize of what you're doing is holding yourself accountable for that meeting to keep it in the forefront of behaviors that you're addressing within yourself, learning from others to support yourself in your daily recovery. So another resource I just wanted to cover here, although it's not a free resource, but it is supportive and assuming that you have some type of source of income is some type of a sober house or a facility like that where hopefully you're housing with other people all see seeking treatment at the same time with like a supportive family around you. Now, this is not a free type of scenario. Most of them, while some of them are subsidized, a lot of them are usually like a weekly cost of like 150, 175. But if you're paying rent already right now, this is not going to cost you any more than what you're paying for rent in while you get just a tiny room, but you are with other people who are going to be there. You'll get tested on a continuous basis to, to make sure that you're actually compliant with whatever the rules of the house might be. But they're also a good resource because like anything, asking other people who are in a similar predicament of where to find resources is usually the best resource that you're going to get. I mean, you can look on the internet all day. But quite honestly, those are marketing campaigns that are up on the internet for the most part. And as I, I've already taught you, remember if you do a Google search, the first few are usually the ones that say ad on them. And unless it's not with an ad next to it, it's not necessarily like the best thing for what you're looking for. And, and you need to find not only places that are credible for resources, but you also want to find ones that fit for you. And, it, and this is not a a one size fits all type of scenario and recovery is a process that is different for everybody. And that really depends if you're younger or you're old, if you're, if you're Latino or African American, or if you're, if you're a white collar worker, if you're a blue collar worker, everybody's got a different scenario. You might have a different family status. You, you might have, everything can be different and everybody's path is not going to be the same. And we'll talk about that in typical paths that people have, but just realize that you really need to do your homework as much as possible to find the resources that are gonna be the best for you. Anything to, amen? Amen. Amen, brother. <laughs> Anyways, that's another episode of Recovery Connection Podcast. 
again, if you ever need any help, any questions, you can feel free to give us a call at 877-557-3155 or look us up on the web at drughelp.info, D-R-U-G-H-E-L-P.info. That's I-N-F-O, not C-O-M. All right? Have a great day.